These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hey, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My guest this week is Jameson Webb. Jameson is an actor, a comedian. In Chicago, I knew him when we were both doing improv together. He went on to do the Second City main stage. You may have seen him in the the TV show I'm thinking of recently is Space Force, that Steve Carell show on Netflix. He's in that. In this episode, we do talk about, you know, I feel like it's a good portrait of why an artistic pursuit, especially a performance based artistic pursuit like these 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 peak life experience moments that can make doing performance completely worth it um he talks about knowing what you want to do early on in your life and then having those moments getting to actually live those dreams and being aware of living those dreams while they're happening which is cool you know I, i'll go ahead and say that that is a a good experience you should seek out if you can before we get to the episode, please join my Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. I would love to have you. I consider these like a hangout. And if you join my Patreon, we can hang even more. I include extended versions of these episodes. And if you donate at the pigeon level, I will shout you out on the podcast. There are a few people I want to shout out at that level. Kurt Chang, Katie Llewellyn, Susie Carroll, and Fred Fidoa. Thank you to you folks, and thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, tell your friends about it. Uh, you can find out more about me at thisisdavemar.com. You can follow Jameson at Jameson Webb on Twitter, and enjoy this episode of This Is Your Afterlife. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like it's What do you hope happens when you die? Oh, we started the podcast. Um, started. Oh, no. Um... Don't worry, I'm not going to include any of the stuff where we shit talk specific people. But I will Good. say, I will say, that did happen, and the world will never know. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Um, but maybe what? on Patreon, people could convince me. To, <laughs> God, to no. No. Uh, that's okay. No. Uh, let's see. What What do I... Sorry, can you... I, I've listened to the podcast before. I know the question, but I want to make sure that I'm I'm hearing it. <laughs> what do I hope happens when I die, right? Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a boring, I guess, uh, I say boring because I, I, it's a conventional answer, I think for most people, but I, I hope there's some spiritual plane or existence beyond this one. Uh, I don't, it's not necessarily like the, I guess the pearly gates and clouds kind of thing, but I just hope that me or some part of me is allowed to continue on in some way uh, and reconnect with those that passed before me, I guess. Did you grow up with that idea? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a, we were not a, um, you know, we went to church, but it was always kind of that, well, you go to church cause it's Sunday and that's what you do. And then we kind of stopped going. What but kind I of mean, church? Uh, we were um, we went to a Methodist church, which at mm. the time I wasn't paying attention. And, and in recent years, I've been like, I wonder what 
Methodist, you know, what that stands for. And I'm still a little unclear. I, you know, it's not as hardlined as like a Baptist, but it's also not as, you know, uh, open hearted or inclusive as, you know, some modern, I think it's like kind of just your classic. The way I see it, is it like, yeah, it is kind of down the middle. It's not as like, cause you know, hardline, you talk about like, I guess, theologically hardline, but the Baptists also like party at their services, you know? Oh, do they really? Yeah, they get, that's like, there's a lot of like, I think there's a lot of like Baptists like speaking in tongues, but that's where all the good gospel music comes from, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so am I thinking of Southern Baptist? Is Southern Baptist the one that's not fun and is like. Southern Baptists are the same. I mean, it's they it's get all down. Like, all right, there's there's fun and not fun, but they're like crazy. And then I feel like the Presbyterian is kind of like the more buttoned down, like white version of that end of the spectrum. Right. And then I feel like on the other end is Catholics, and then Episcopalian is a more like <clears throat> is a more like liberal college professor version of catholics and then i feel like methodists kind of like split the difference (laughs) in the middle somewhere where there's a little bit of structure but i i don't know i don't know the theological methodist shit but there's some sort of like it's 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 not it's not all the way to the like rigid rigidity of catholicism right but they don't seem like they're all about the party in the way that some of the like more bit more base denominations yeah i'd say yeah, yeah, we didn't have like a rock band playing at our Sunday. <laughs> well, that's you know, a whole was, other thing. That's okay. like a whole in its own other world. The evangelical like rock band, like that's where I came from, and that was like not. It, that's not. I wouldn't call that a party, although okay. they definitely think it's a party. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's but like growing uh, up in Florida. Yeah. You must have had tons of that like around you. Oh yeah, I mean, I grew up in a very. Uh, you know, my immediate family, like my, my, my parents and my brothers, I mean, we were not a, it was not a sit down and read the Bible at night. We stopped going to church after a while. I mean, I think I stopped going to church around nine or 10 years old, you know, um, whereas other members of, of my immediate or my immediate, other members of my, you know, extended family are, uh, you know, very faithful, very, very, uh, faith-based, very, you know, my grandma was church secretary at our church for 40 years. Um, you know, so that's a part of it, but you're, yeah, I mean, where I grew up in Florida and that's pretty much anywhere in Florida, I suppose, but you know, very conservative, very, um, Christian. I mean, the County where I was born and raised is named after Robert E. Lee. Uh, I'm not thrilled about that at all. Um, And uh, there's no reason. I mean, there's a reason, but there's no real reason why our county should be named after him. He has no connection to it. But yes, (laughs) it all kind of uh, spills into the same kind of, I would say, classic American. uh, You die and your body, uh, your soul goes to heaven and um, all that. So I grew up with that. And I but it was always kind of at an arm's length. Right. It wasn't a. Um, for me, it wasn't a, you know, look, you need to do your chores or you're not going to go to heaven or, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't kind of constantly dangled in front of me as a punishment or a, an opportunity that, you know, that if I wasn't good, I wouldn't ascend to that. But it's just kind of that thing of, you know, there's maybe we don't know a lot about 
things and maybe there's a world beyond this. And as I've gotten older, I guess my thought is kind of, you know, more into the idea of energies and there are energies. Well, that's where I'm wondering is like, where does that come from? Because it's not like a classic Western pearly gates, like you said. So what is there a representation of this idea that you've that you're like, this actually gets kind of close to what I think it is. Hmm. I don't, I don't know if there's one I can specifically, uh, there probably is a representation that, that I'm not immediately thinking of or is coming to mind, but I think there is this notion to me of like, uh, boy, like the, the soul is this strange, intangible thing but it has a definite kind of weight and presence and when your body is done that goes somewhere now whether and now when i say it goes somewhere do i mean it actually descends to this magical planet or kingdom no but it in and of itself goes and mixes with other stuff and i i feel like I, i haven't really thought about it so much in a way to articulate it, but it's like, when we think about things about ghosts or spirits, like, is this that stuff? Is this that energy that is still stuck here? Yes. I guess, (laughs) I guess Ghostbusters is pretty much my (laughs) denomination of Christianity. I I definitely uh, pray at the altar of St. Venkman. Um, No. Uh, Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I just, I, I have no evidence that this stuff exists. None of us do. And and in fact, I'm sure many people ha- have evidence that I'm incorrect, but I just kind of go, well, I, I don't know. And so it would be nice to think that that's on the other side of this and that there is some other side. And uh, I'm not going to live my life specifically with the, yeah, I'm going to live a good life, I guess, but it's not like I'm specifically living my life. Like I got to do this or I'm not going to get my reward in heaven. Like that's not part of it, but it is just like, maybe that'll be a nice thing someday is that there is some consciousness or my mind goes off somewhere and interacts with things that I don't know, Dave, I really feel like I'm, I'm, I, I know just little, just, I, I I don't know enough about this to get myself in trouble. Does that make sense? Like I, I know just, the bare minimum to say something that sounds uh, unfounded in any kind of belief system or, or ideology. Yeah. So you're, you're Californian (laughs) basically. Yeah, dude. I mean, my, (laughs) it's all vibes. Uh, But no, this is something that, I mean, this is something I started feeling in Florida. I mean, I, I, you know, in high school, I was really, I had a lot of friends who were very, uh, not that one contradicts the other, but, you know, very like, you know, for the first time I was hearing people say things like, uh, you know, God isn't real or there is no this or that. I mean, that was the first time I was really hearing that. And I, and I was also good about that. They're very good about that. (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, have you heard this guy, Tom Waits? I mean, these are all kind of the same, they're all part of the same bundle. Right. And then that really extends into college. Um, but that was the first time I was kind of hearing that and it was like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I, there's something about that that seems, you know, I'm starting to kind of question what I've always kind of thought or known. And I feel like I've settled on a good, um, 
middle ground where I'm open to it, but I'm not letting it dictate uh, the way I live my life or treat others. I, I think it could just be independent of that, right? Relive one memory. Are you familiar with this premise? Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm, yes. Um, so very briefly, the idea being yeah. in the afterlife, you get to fully relive one memory. It's not, it's there. It's you, you do have to pick one, but it's not like your others are wiped. It's just that this is the one that you get to open the door and fully re-inhabit whenever you want. So if that's the case, what I, I'm going to, I'm going to give a, choose? I'm going to give a very, uh, kind of, uh, selfish kind of answer for this, right? And this isn't to say that there's this is the most meaningful moment, um, because you know my my marriage and birth of my my first child. Oh, I love it. You know, I love if I love that you're not doing those. I'm loving where you're going with. Yeah, this. Be, because I mean, those are I, I obvious I kind of, basic. They're they're obvious, but also like I I kind of get to relive the joy that I feel with that every day when I'm with my wife mm-hmm, and my mm-hmm. my child and all that. And there's certainly great memories of the past, but I'll I'll tell you one that is very selfish and purely ego driven. But it's it's I I can I can remember how I felt, and it's not a specific moment, but it's it's kind of a, a period that I think answers this question properly and. Uh, so several years ago, I, I did uh, two. I did main stage at Second City in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I was so lucky to to do that, and it just felt very honored. And the first show I did, I just I kind of had a hard time finding, you know, my rhythm in it, and I was really worried that I wasn't going to get a gas back to do a second show. I just really felt like that fear of you were given this thing that you wanted so badly and you blew it. Right. And the second show, uh, we were working on it in process. I just kind of found, I got in a groove where I was just pitching stuff that was doing really well with the audiences. And it was, I was pitching stuff that I loved that the audiences loved that also, was good showcases for my castmates and fit in the show. And there was just this nice kind of week towards the end of October. It it was, yeah, I remember it was like mid to late October, 2016. And I remember because then the election happened and we had to really, we (laughs) had to really, we had to change a lot of our show and, and ended up being a good show and all that. And I still felt good about it, but some of my favorite pieces kind of had to go out the window uh, because they just didn't quite work in this uh, in in that that kind of new context. But anyway, there was just this feeling of, oh wow, I can do this, and I'm doing it, and I'm doing it well, and I don't feel like I'm, um, you know, lowering and, and just, so I guess, and there was a scene that I, I pitched, uh, it was called base man and, and I wrote it and it was a cast scene and it was very fun. And I remember just the first time 
that we did it in the set afterwards to try it out for the show. It just crushed and it just, and it was at the end of kind of this process where I had brought in a lot of good stuff. And I just really felt like, Oh man, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And just that moment. And it wasn't just in and of itself, like I'm going to be good in this show. Awesome. But it's like, I had moved to Chicago to do this. I had moved away from my family. I had, you know, sacrifice spending time, you know, with my wife and I had just gotten married the summer before. And then I was right back to work and I had missed going to, uh, uh, weddings and, and, and family events and all of this because I was so committed to, to, uh, making this work. And so there was that feeling of, Oh, I, I did it. And I, I made it work and I invested this in myself and I asked others to trust that I wasn't going to screw it up and I've done it. Right. And just that. And that was so big because really since middle school, I, I knew that I, I knew what I wanted to do. Maybe not specifically second city, but I knew that I wanted to get on the comedy path. Wow. And so to kind of finally get to this point where it's like, Oh, the last, you know, 15, 18 years haven't been a complete, uh, <laughs> you know, wow, yeah. delusional thing was was big for me uh and so it's just and you know and it was great like i go you know i was doing the show with with close friends of mine and you know chicago in the fall is beautiful and the cubs were making their world series run and oh right 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 and it was just a a really good time in my life um and so i wish there was one specific kind of thing but just that kind of month of October 2016 was just very uh, uh just a great any one of those days was just a really great day uh and a great moment so, so yeah with that with the okay I get this and I'm curious not to yeah. pinpoint a specific <laughs> moment sure but to pinpoint maybe a specific um mode which it, which was the where were the absolute peaks there was it just walking down the street and really feeling yourself was it when you were if you ever were writing and and imagining what was going to happen was it pitching was it like being on the stage it, it was it being on the stage right before the scene started was it in the <laughs> midst of the scene was yeah. it right after the show you know what i mean like yeah, which yeah, of yeah. these modes of operating in was like the peak culmination style feeling that you're describing yeah well let me say i i a lot of people don't like the second city process of doing things where you write stuff and you pitch it and it doesn't work. And then you're like, and I get that. Um, I always loved the writing and all that, but um, you can write something you love and then it just eats shit and it's never seen again. And you're just like, well, I guess I'm an idiot. So as much as I like that, cause that was a lot of my first main stage show was I like it. Oh, it doesn't work. Well, I mean, I, I can't argue with that. It doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I I mean, but so so to pinpoint the mode is that you've written something, you feel good about it, you bring it in to rehearsal, you pitch it, it goes well enough to go in the set, the show goes well, everything feels right, and then 
the mode would be you're on stage, you're in the moment. Everyone is, you know, whether it's a scene that you wrote or pitched or whatever the case is, it's kind of your idea that you've brought to the table and everyone is bringing their best parts to it. And cause that was always the, the fun stuff. I loved at second city was the group stuff. I loved mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the group pieces. And when you have the six people on stage and the music director and everything kind of coming together and you're in that moment of, Oh wow. It's going exactly how I hoped it would. And, and I remember having those thoughts where it's just like, I can't believe this. These 300 people are laughing. They're laughing at the right spots. Mm-hmm. The other people on stage are, are they get the scene, the energies or, I mean, everyone's kind of zeroing in. That's a great, great thing. Um, cause you can have fun on a stage and the audience hates it and you can do shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know how it is like, yeah. you, and you can do shit on a stage that the audience loves. And you're just like, well, that felt dirty because those are just cheap, low hanging fruit jokes. The audience, you know, I don't feel good about that. And that's part of the, the job. Or, and I say the job of just comedy is sometimes you, you do that and that's the way it is. And you live. To yeah. It. I'm not as familiar with that. I, I don't <laughs> tend to have stooped to those levels, but, uh, well, let me tell not you. as successful as uh, a lot of my friends. So, well, you know. Dave, it's very nice down here. The the peaches <laughs> and the apples are quite juicy. Uh, but no, it's just you're in the moment. And, and again, it's you're in the moment and experiencing not uh, uh, not experiencing you're uh, uh, experiencing, but also you're appreciating not just what you spent that morning writing or that evening rehearsing or that week or whatever put it together, but it's like, Oh, the last X amount of years of my life have been leading to this right, exact right. feeling. And right. it's like a supreme moment of self consciousness. And I don't mean self-conscious in a, in a low self-esteem way, but in a, like, you know, those, those moments where it's like, I mean, you're admitting that you're not fully present in the scene in some way, but we all have them where you're like, have these little slivers of popping out and just being like, holy shit, right before yes. your next line or something. Totally. And, and you know, I mean, look, it's not like I'm on stage playing these characters that are very different from me. And so me stepping out of it is me, right. you know, like, you know, it's not like I'm bailing on Hamlet's, mo- you know, soliloquy <laughs> to be like, yeah. they're really digging what I'm doing. It's like. You know, but it's also anything about comedy or, or at least the, you know, Chicago and, and the kind of comedy that we do. You're not just a performer. You're the writer, too. And so mm-hmm. you're on stage having that reaction, not just not even so much as the actor. Oh, they're liking what I'm performing. It's you as the writer. Oh, they're liking what <clears throat> my mind and what my, you know, whatever point of view. It's, is a, it's, like, affirming it's a deeper you. thing. Yeah. Yes. Like your yeah. whole it's it, it feels shameful to admit that the the need for that level of validation, but it is oh, like validating but, you. But it, it, it's a hundred percent that it's a hundred percent that now, and I think it's okay to be aware of that, but don't you know it's okay to have that. Yeah, just yeah. don't let that drive your interactions where it's like, you know, I, I I don't like this scene because I don't turn up very well in it. It's like all right, well maybe it's not your scene. Maybe your job in this scene is to support this person who brought their scene is so mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. for three minutes every weeknight just you know bite the bullet and sit there and your job is to support and set up you know like I, that's a good self-awareness to have too right like you're totally 
you know, um, yeah. So, you know, but you don't have to apologize for wanting. No, hundred percent. I mean, look, you're, it's okay to celebrate yourself as long as you're not using that to also like, um, denigrate or put down, you know, it, it, yeah. it's not a thing of like, for me, it wasn't cause this was not the case. It wasn't like, Oh, I was the star of this thing. No, no, no. It was no, just no. like, no, no, no. I, I held my own and I did my part and I can feel really good about that. And this is what I always wanted to do. And this is what I always wanted to do, you know? And look, like, if I'm not supposed to do this, there's been multiple times where the universe or life or whatever could have said, hey, this isn't for you. You're, you're, you know, like, you're not getting these opportunities. Maybe you need to, you know, reevaluate it or at least reevaluate, uh, reevaluate how much of yourself you want to put into this if you're feeling like you're not getting something back in return. Um, but, you know, a fear that I always had was finally getting that thing that you asked for and not knowing what to do with it. And, you know, when I was, you know, when I first moved to Chicago and I thought I want to perform at Second City one day, I always had this nagging fear of what if you get it? And you just really suck at it. Mm-hmm. What if you're t- like, what if through some stroke or fluke or mistake, you get this job that, you know, tons of other people want because it pays, you know, and it's paid comedy for a sizable audience at this famous theater. So that means something, you know, what if you get it and you're not good at it? That was so scary to me. Uh, and, you know, after my first show, I was kind of like, "Uh oh, is that what happened oh, here?" Oh God, you know. So it's and, a moment of not just triumph, but like relief. Yes. Oh yeah, that's the thing. And it just and like I felt more relieved, so I felt better about the stuff I was bringing in, and it just it felt good. I mean, it just felt very. When I think back on it, maybe it's because the weather in the air or just how I felt. There's like this cool breeze at my back. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like. I'm, I don't know. I, I'm just, I've never <laughs> hand glided or hang glided or surfed or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never done physical activity. I've never um, been outside. <laughs> I've never been outside. Uh, I, I travel underground from theater to apartment <laughs> and back home, but no, no, but just that feeling of, Oh man, there's just this wind at my back and it feels lovely. Um, that's just, that feeling is in my, in my body and my bones when I think back on that, that time. And I think when I think about reliving a memory, I kind of get that coolness, uh, to, to my body. What's your coma in the sense of, I mean, you're familiar with my story, but, and where I think, yeah, you were, if, yeah, if you were still in, Chicago in 2016, then you definitely were there, were around for it. But yeah, whether it's, whether it's grand or mundane, um, does not matter. It just matters of, of a moment in your life where of transformation, where you feel like before this moment, you were this one version of yourself and after you were another. There. And I had a really difficult time my first couple years of high school 
Um, I just, uh, I, I had come from a middle school that not a lot of the people I went to middle school with went to that particular high school. So I was kind of starting over in the sense that most of my close friends were at other high schools and a lot of people that I was going to high school with now had grown up together. And I just, I, uh, is it so I remember at the end of ninth grade, the last day of ninth grade is so silly. This, um, girl that I sat behind all year in Spanish class, literally every day we worked on group projects together when, you know, when we were handing out worksheets, she had all this stuff. And the very last day of this school year, she couldn't remember my name. And I can't remember if she got it wrong or if she just flat out said, what's your name again? And I remember, and it wasn't like I had this crush on this girl and mm-hmm. oh, my heart. It was just this thing of, and she's and and she ended up being a very good friend and and is a is a a nice person. It's kind of surprising for me to think about this, um, but it was just like wow. I went through this whole year and I made like zero impact on <laughs> these oh, people around me. You God. know, yeah. Just in this weird way of like, what, what am I? What am I doing? And then in tenth grade, I. I was kind of bullied and, and I kind of got, which I know is a silly thing. I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't getting roughed up, but I just, you know, how there's, you know, every kind of group of friends has the one guy they, oh, we pick on him and it's all in good fun. And mm-hmm. I kind of ended up being that guy. And that was a weird thing. I was also a year younger than everyone because I skipped a grade. So you skipped a grade? I skipped kindergarten. I mean, it like barely oh. counts, but yeah. So I everyone was getting. Which grade? Fifth grade. Fifth grade. So you which, had – go ahead. Which a lot of people, it's like a, um, from talking to people, most people I talked to were like, oh, man, I loved fifth grade. Or like oh, fifth yeah, grade yeah. was this like very meaningful fifth grade was, to them. Fifth grade was a pretty good year for me. I, yeah, I gotta be dude. Honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, no, for, and it was jumping from – fifth grade was the last year of my elementary school. So it was jumping from yeah. elementary school right up to middle school too yeah fourth to sixth i mean you were Mm -hmm. making that damn yeah 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 and well so you had a similar thing if i'm correct then in high school where um everyone was getting their uh driver's license Mm. and you couldn't drive yet did you so you did you have that everyone was no i don't remember that but yeah i i mean that i it diff it happened but it didn't it doesn't register as i'm looking back at it as like a big emotional moment so i so, I mean, that was happening and like where, where I lived in town, it wasn't like, I mean, you know, where I grew up, there's a big river running through town, the Caloosahatchee and my, the high school I went to and kind of the old, um, families of this town were on one side of the river. And then I was on the side that was not like the wrong side of the tracks, but it was mm. kind of like, oh, you live on that side of the river. Okay. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, but in other words, but, but so sorry, I'm, I'm giving a long answer, but, um, people were getting their driver's licenses. They either had to come pick me up or I had to do the uncoolest thing ever. Ask my parents to drop me off at places. Uh, So that was happening. I got an ulcer. Uh, I was just sick. Like I, yeah, I, 
I was stressing out and I was kind of getting, like I said, bully, but it was like your friends. So you're like, maybe I'm making too big a deal of it. I was just very neurotic. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't quite an ulcer. The doctor said I had a pre-ulcer. I was starting to like develop this thing. Wow. And I'd go to school and I was sick and I came home and it was just, uh, so the first few years, it just kind of sucked. And this is so silly, but I just kind of said to myself, well, you know what? You could spend the next couple of years just like hating this and letting this get to you. Or you could just really start to focus on like the friends you like and the stuff that you like and the stuff that you want to do and just let that be the way it is. Right. Like you're not going to be one of the cool kids. You're not, you know, going to be this or that. So just find the stuff you love and just, you know, I say find the stuff you love, but just be the version of yourself you want to be, right? And a big outlet for me then ended up being the school news, which um, historically, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it's like the AV club, I guess, right? It's not the coolest Mm -hmm. thing, Mm -hmm. but whatever it was at our high school, like, you know, the school news was kind of a fun, cool thing. And I just was like, oh, well. I'm just going to really use this ridiculous 15 minute platform a day to just kind of be myself. Right. And, you know, Oh wait, like the announcements, like the announcements. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant yeah. like the newspaper. Okay. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I'm loving this. I'm loving no. this. Okay. Yeah. So it was like, and, and so the, I guess to your, the, the kind of the transformational thing was just that, you know what you want to do comedy you you want to do this stuff you want to be david letterman all this great here's here's your thing and everyone's going to give you shit or make fun of you or whatever but just do your thing and enjoy it and just get out you know and just be a good student and all that just only get it. and it was a strange thing i just like i just did what i wanted to do on the news i mean within reason but i just kind of trusted my instincts of like do this thing and you'll get happiness out of it. And maybe no one else will, but just do it and kind of keep your head down. And it actually ended up, uh, I ended up being very popular the last two years of high school. (laughs) I mean, truly like I I ended up being homecoming King. Now, part of this is (laughs) part of this is because of the homecoming court. It was all athletes and then me. So I think the athletes split the vote. And then like a Ralph Nader type, uh, I just kind of emerged. Okay, exactly. But I also just like, even the kids that used to bully me and would say just terrible things behind my back, all of a sudden, uh, like, oh, hey, Jameson's not so bad. And I did nothing except for just keep doing my thing and doing it on the school news and having fun. And like one of the best compliments I ever got was a girl that I went to high school and middle school with. At the end of high school, not the same girl, but I forgot my name earlier. It would have been a nice full circle if it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, She's like, but, Jameson, I'll never forget you. Or something. And off she, yeah, she goes, I'm yeah. off to Hollywood. Look me up someday. It'll be under Scarlett Johansson. No, uh, <laughs> I don't know. No, no. Um, but the last day of one of the, one of the last few weeks of high school, a, a girl that I'd gone to high school, middle school with said to me, you haven't changed at all since middle school. And I mean that in the best way possible. And they said, you know, and sh- she was someone who had gone through a lot of identity of like, I got to fit in, I got to be this and that. And, and 
it gave me such a boost of self-confidence and gave me such a, uh, not her, her saying that, but also just kind of that time of doing the school, the, the TV news at my high school that I still kind of has pushed me through today where it's just like, you, you love doing this thing. When you do it, people seem to respond to it. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe, you know, now it's like, maybe I'm not doing it at the level that I'd like to. Right. Sure. And that's not going to happen. That's fine. But I have to kind of trust my instincts and trust that I'm not completely way off on this. And maybe I'm fooling myself, but it seems like an okay self delusion to have that, that this is, you know, this is why I'm, I'm here on earth, uh, during my time is just to kind of do this, to be creative and to, to do this stuff. And, um, yeah, this feels all very gross and stuff. Um, no, no, no. I mean, it's like, it's very much the only thing that changed was you were like, okay, I'm going to do this louder. I'm going to like find an outlet, you know what I mean? And that's so cool that it was just, yeah, in some ways I'm going to like force myself to be heard and that that resulted in people liking you more. Yeah. And you know, what's funny too, is like, I did the school news in middle school as well, but it was very much like a nerds, you know, this guy, mm-hmm. like everyone, it was just like, all right, you know, it's Jameson and his friends doing this weird <laughs> sure. sketch comedy show on the news. And like, you know, we're going to bully him and, and all this stuff. Right. Okay. So I did, I, you know, there wasn't that thing of like, it wasn't like I just discovered the school news or that stuff in high school. The difference was I just, I had enough confidence to just say, look, just do it. And they're probably going to hate it like they did in middle school, but just do it because you love it. And that's important. You know, you, you might as well do something, you know, find an extracurricular or whatever the case is you love. And you right? weren't doing it in freshman and sophomore year. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, I, I signed up for the class since I think sophomore year, but freshman year I didn't do it. And it was just, yeah, it was just, it was like, no, 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 this is what you, uh, uh, if this brings you joy, you should do this and not care about what people think. Now, as you get older and you start to pursue that at a more professional level, you do at a certain point have to kind of start to give a shit about what people think because, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, I mean, that's, it the, relates to whether or not you have health insurance. Exactly. You, you gotta eat. Um, yeah. but man, what a good place for me to have been able to start from of just like, you know what you want to do, do it. And hopefully people will meet you halfway. And, uh, and are there any specific bits from that time that you remember you were like really, oh, my, or any I, days yeah, when yeah. you really like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of the park. Oh yeah. There, I mean, quite a few, I did a lot of fun bits, but my favorite, this is like the most Letterman, David Letterman. Cause he was like, you know, my hero at that time. Um, the, uh, so, <laughs> Between class periods, you know, to signal that the new class period was starting, they'd play a little bell chime, Mm -hmm. tone, whatever, over the school Mm -hmm. PA system to let you know the second, third, right? So it was the same bell every, every time, right? But I, so I recorded it onto a little tape recorder and I came up with a little man on the street game show called Name That Bell. 
And I go and the teachers, the thing that was great, the teachers were cool with me, like pulling a kid out of class to do like a little oh nice thing. Right. I mean, it was just, you know, within reason, but it, you know, I mean, if they were, you know, I could go pull someone out of biology class. And so I went around, I just asked, you know, pull people out of class or just, you know, I didn't tell them what I just said. I explained the rules. We have these bells throughout the day. I'm going to play a bell. You tell me which period it's from. And I would just play the bell. bell. It's the same one. And some people would be like, you know, can you play it again? I think that's fifth, second. And it was just very funny to me. It was very, it felt very Letterman-esque. That's a really solid bit. That's a really good bit. And sometimes I would tell them, you know, know, I'm trying to remember if either at the end of the day or... Or if at the end of the, the, the thing, I would always say, you know, I'm sorry, that's, you know, this is, I, I think one time I said, this is actually from another high school. Uh, this isn't, you know, isn't our, sorry that another bit, it wasn't on the school news, but this kind of just ties into me kind of feeling empowered was at the end of our senior year, they had this um, male beauty pageant, uh, Mr. Green Wave. Our school mascot was the Green Wave. And so to raise money for student government, they had a male beauty pageant. And it was, you know, so it was where it was 15 or 16 guys. And there was swimsuit and a talent portion and all that stuff. And uh, uh, so like, I think someone did ribbon dancing essentially like the Will Ferrell old school thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it was that, you know, someone else did like a guy did like a, a weird, like muscle flex. It was just strange anyway. But for me, I'm like, ah, this is my chance. I swear to God, Dave, this is my thought. This is a chance to do. This is a chance to do for the talent portion. I can do my version of Steve Martin's, the great fly Right. I wanted to do this. So, you know, the great fly Dean, I don't know the great fly Dean. It's this great thing he did on the Carson show in the eighties, early nineties. It's on YouTube. It's, it's a silent, uh, unspoken, uh, magic bit. But instead of pulling things out of a hat, he's, he zips down his, uh, zipper on his pants and he pulls scarves and flowers out of his crotch. Uh And, it's got an arc and it's beautiful and silly and dumb and funny and all the great Steve Martin things. So I didn't do that exactly, but I said, I want to do something like that. I want something that had a little arc to it and kind of played with the audience. So my bit was I came out and I had a suit on and a fedora and an umbrella and Gene Kelly singing in the rain was playing. Right. And I had on tap shoes and I did a little, you know, I learned some basic tap moves and I did a little tap dancing and kind of let the audience get kind of bored. And, you know, and it was very charming. And it, again, it's like, to me, it's very funny, like this high schooler in 2003 doing this 50 year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as I'm dancing, I trip and I fall and I just wipe out on stage. And um, every guy competing had a coach that was like helping them, a, a female student, a girl. Okay. And okay. my, my coach comes running out and waves for them to turn off the music and is checking with me and the audience just, and she gets up and she's help, and I'm hobbling and, you know, people are giving me the polite applause, like, you know, and then right as I get to the curtain, boogie, woogie, bugle boy from company B starts to play. And I turn and I look up and I, run back out and I just go into just this, I wasn't a good tapper, but I was just getting into it. Now this is just madness 
purely from my ego of the people will I'll give them whatever I want to give them and they'll love it. And yeah. and I just loved like, oh yeah, you you thought I really hurt myself? No, I'm gonna do this. And I had all this stuff. And I ended up winning and I knew, which was great, and I knew that I'd kind of worn out my welcome at that high school <laughs> because I won and people started booing. They were so <laughs> they were so sick of me. Between doing my comedy bits on the news and now doing my my stupid thing here that people started booing. And so on the tape, it wasn't overwhelming, but you can hear a definite back of the auditorium boo (laughs) when I won. Um, My point is just... What a compliment, dude. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I loved it. But I, in no feasible way would I ever have imagined sophomore year people booing me because... They were sick of me doing so much comedy stuff in front of them. They would have just booed me because it would have been like, this guy sucks, right? right Which they right, were doing, right. but it was a different kind of booing, right? <laughs> it was a it was a jealous booing as opposed to a mean booing. Does that make sense? My point they were is, booing uh, you for the right reasons. They were booing. I earned. I loved the booze. Give me the booze. I loved it. Um, but yeah, but those were the kind of bits I did. And it was tons of little stuff like that. Uh, and it was great. I mean, it was just, you know, and and I went to a high school that, you know, I mean, it, it they just let people get away with just ridiculous stuff. So I, I acknowledge that, you know, I'm very lucky that I went to this high school that allowed that. Because um, most high schools would be like, uh, no, you're going to read the announcements on the school news and that's it. You're not going to do... You're not going to lip sync to a Bing Crosby Christmas song while uh, you're you're uh, stealing presents from the toy drive or, you know, whatever. I mean, that was, you know, it was that kind of bits that I did. Right. I mean, you know, not genius level, but cute. Um, Anyway, that's my answer. That is the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked it, rate it review it subscribe to the podcast it's always nice to see people you know right as it comes out on tuesday the people who've subscribed who are getting it right into their feeds into their ears i've got some exciting stuff for the podcast coming down the pipe and i will leave that at that for now but thank you so much take care and i will talk to you next week you can do miracles miracles you can do them, have faith, you are human, only human, and human beings they do.